Hello. We are so glad that you could join us today. Our prayer is that as you listen to the word, you would take this time to draw nearer to God as an individual and as a family. God loves you so so much, and his desire is for you to get closer to him in this season through worship, through dwelling in his word and prayer. Well, it is so great for uh, Pastor Bonnie and I to be back in Zimbabwe. We've really missed you. We've really missed the whole uh, atmosphere here. And I have good news for you. There's something that God is doing, even in the midst of all this craziness. And we are in crazy times. And uh, that's kind of what I want to talk to you about this morning. We're, by the way, we're getting ready for our uh, synod that's coming up. And I want to make sure that you all set your hearts to listen to what we're going to be bringing at Synod. Uh, this is a day and an age where you must fill yourselves up with the Word of God. You must uh, be more full of the Word than you are of the Word of this world. If, if, if you are not full of the Word of God, you will succumb to the deceit and the deception of this age. And that's my message this morning, avoiding the deception in an age of deceit. Now, as I've been preparing for our synod, I can't help but be drawn back to the words of Jesus in the book of Matthew, where he describes what the end times would be like. In Matthew chapter 2, verses 3 through 14, he says this, as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, when shall these things be and what shall be the sign, the sign of thy coming and, what, and of the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto them, take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of war. See that you not, be not troubled, for these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet, for nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. That really means everywhere. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, and they shall kill you. And you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended, and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. Now he's talking about what's going to happen with believers even. Then it goes on to say, and many false prophets shall arise, and the love of many, some versions say the love of most shall wax cold. But he that shall endure to the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. And then the end shall come. Jump down to verses 23 and 25. It says, Then if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or there, don't believe it, for there shall arise false Christs, false prophets, and they shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Behold, I have told you before. Boy, in this passage of Scripture, the law of repetition steps in. Four times Jesus indicates that the sign, they ask for what is the sign? The sign would be, Jesus tells his disciples, 
that the sign of the end times would be deception. Deception. So much deception that even the very elect of God could be deceived. Now, deception, according to the dictionary, is the act of causing someone to accept as true or valid what is false or invalid. It's the act of deceiving. To deceive is to mislead by a false appearance or a false statement. Now, isn't this a perfect description of the times that we find ourselves in, the setting that we find ourselves in in the world today? Uh, we've all heard of people who have given the appearance of being something that they were not. History as well as society is filled with stories of people who lived larger than life lives, uh, acting as though they were respectable citizens. And then we only find out later that they were embezzling public monies or company coffers to fund their often extravagant lifestyles. Most of us, some of you sitting here today, some of you listening by, by the internet, have un, uh, we've unfortunately also experienced deception, deception in our own lives. And, and, and hopefully it's being more us being deceived than on the deceiving end. <laughs> but as a pastor, there's nothing more devastating to me than to have to deal with the issue of unfaithfulness in a marriage. When this happens in a family's life, it's devastating. In fact, no one is left without deep wounds and scars. The children, the husband, the wife, the one who deceived or was in deception. Or, there, there's nobody that gets out of this. The, the, the extended families, the friends, the community. I remember a man uh, who was in the newspapers all over America. I think his name was Scott Peterson. And uh, he deceived his family. He, de he de deceived not only his wife, but he had a woman uh, that he thought had convinced that he had been divorced. He'd given her this idea that he was divorced, and yet he hadn't divorced his wife. And he ended up killing his wife, and then he uh, got caught. And, uh, but he was so charming, and he was so powerful that his case went on and on and on in the newspapers, and on and on and on in, 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 on, on television for, uh, it felt like years. And uh, he tried to use his charm into deceiving a jury into believing that he did not commit the murder. I just remember the extent to which there was pain in his life and his family, in the extended families, the woman, and the society where he lived. They were shocked at the level of this man's deception. You see, it happens in the workplace as well. Over the last couple of decades, especially here in Zimbabwe, but all around the world. Hardly a week goes by where some government official or some corporate boss at a major business or institution is in the press, having been confronted with dishonest business practices, deceitful ethical practices, or a list of other deceptions which he or she had not only uh, perpetrated and not only affects them, but also infects all the people that have worked for them, all the people in their employ. Uh, 
These things are devastating. And it's all around deception, deceit. Government itself has borne its burden of deception over the years, especially here in Zimbabwe, as we have little or no transparency, uh, especially among the higher echelons of leadership, where the political elites have now put themselves in a position to dictate shamelessly how the country will be mismanaged. The deception, unfortunately, has not been isolated from the confines of the church either. We have our own share of scandals, errors, compromises, and we've seen the results when deception runs amok. This morning, I want to take a dive into the book of Galatians, where we see the Apostle Paul addressing the issue of deception and its devastating consequences on those who get pulled into its dishonest web. Galatians chapter 1, if you'll turn there, verses 6 through 9. And let me just read from the King James Version of the Bible right now. It says, I marvel. That's a powerful word. I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again. If any man preach any other gospel unto you than that you have received, let him be accursed. <laughs> I don't know about you, those are powerful, powerful words. The New Living Translation says it this way. He says, I'm shocked that you're turning away so soon from God who in his love and mercy called you to share the eternal life that he gives through Christ. You're already following a different way that pretends to be the good news, but is not the good news at all. You're being fooled by those who twist and change the truth concerning Christ. Let God curse or let God's curse fall on anyone, including myself, who preaches any other message than the one we told you about. Even if an angel comes from heaven and preaches any other message, let him be forever cursed. I will say it again. If anyone preaches any other gospel than the one you welcomed, let God's curse fall upon that person. You know, I, I uh, am a man of this age. I, I am a man of God. And, uh, but we live in a soft age. We live in an age where, you know, we are politically correct in the way we speak. We live in an age where we uh, are sensitive to any harsh or hard words that we might say about or to anyone. Uh, you can get stricken from Facebook. You can be taken off social media for saying anything that might be offensive or hard. Boy, the Apostle Paul would never have made it. These are extremely hard words. As we consider what the Apostle Paul is saying, I think it's important for us to ask ourselves a few questions. Here's a list that you can choose from. You might want to write these down. How do we tell the truth from a lie? How do we know if what our pastor is saying is the truth? How can we prevent ourselves from falling into the trap of deception? and following false teachers and false prophets and even false Christs? How can we keep ourselves from being cursed by God forever? I think that's a pretty strong list of questions, don't you? 
Paul, in writing to the Galatians, discloses his disappointment and his astonishment at how quickly his disciples had followed false teachings. How they had been deceived by people who twisted and changed the truth concerning Christ. Paul chastens and he rebukes those leaders who were responsible for leading the disciples into error. He labels them as false teachers and false prophets. He says that they're not appointed by God, but rather had set themselves up and in so doing had let everyone else down. You know, we see this happening today in the church, the church around the world, even here in Zimbabwe, people who have selfish ambition, who see the ministry as a business or a means to have notoriety or a way to make a name for themselves. There are some who see the ministry as a tool to build a constituency for political or financial gain. Often they use as their tool to manipulate people, deception. How can we prevent this kind of deception from occurring in our lives? Well, again, this morning I want to lay out some guidelines to enable you to avoid deceivers and deceptions. Now, if you take to heart what I'm teaching you this morning, and if you'll do what I tell you to do, you will soon learn to make decisions based on knowledge, on understanding, and on wisdom, and not on falsehoods. So, first of all, read your Bible. By the way, I want to encourage you to uh, listen to the Synod teachings that are coming up this next week. They are going to be powerful. They're going to unlock some things. I'm going to be talking about, uh, at least in my two morning sessions, uh, the same issue of deception. I'm going to do a deep dive on how to keep yourself from the deceiver, how to keep yourself out of deception. So let me give you these, these few points that will help you this morning so that you can stay away from falsehood, stay away from uh, deception. First of all, read your Bible. Paul says this in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 14 through 16. He says, Of these things, put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord that they strive not about words to no profit, but to the subverting of the hearers. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, but shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. You see, I think it's imperative that as believers that we understand that our foundation must be built on the word of God. You must know the words of God if you're to protect yourself from false teachers. The Bible says these false teachers lie in wait and are already leading many astray. Now, we are all tempted and we will all be tempted to fall for these deceptions. Uh, Jesus was tempted. Jesus was tempted by Satan in the wilderness. And with each temptation that the devil brought to him, he presented it mixed with just enough truth. He even quoted the Bible. You know, I heard a preacher say this one time about the way the enemy works. He says, he covers the body of truth in the skin of a lie. Boy, isn't that the truth? Or he it might even be the other way around. He covers a lie with the skin of truth. That's the way it was stated. He covers the body of a lie in the skin of truth. See, what we see sometimes looks like truth, but that's why it has to be studied and pursued. How often have we heard something and think, you know, that sounds right. 
only to find out later that only part of it was right. See, we soon learn that a half-truth is a full lie. Jesus' response in the wilderness was to communicate the full counsel of truth, the Word of God, to each of the devil's subtle temptations, to each of his deceptions. Jesus' response was, it is written, it is written, it is written. Three times he responded. Last week, Pastor Taz was excellent in the way that he dealt with the things we need to do to overcome the devil. Now, I just want to re reiterate his point. We overcome the devil, and we overcome the devil's deceitfulness with the Word of God. That's why it's important to study and to know for yourself exactly what the Word of God has to say. Believers who have not been exposed to the whole truth are fertile ground for so-called prophetic or deliverance churches uh, or false cults and false sects. You see, many of these so-called prophetic or deliverance churches are filled with people who were once members of Bible-believing churches. These cult and sect followers were recruited from the ranks of those who would have called themselves and sometimes still do, Christians. See, the Apostle Paul warns of cults, warns of sex. In 2 Corinthians, the 11th chapter, verses 3 and 4, and then again in 13 and 15, he says, But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. For if one comes and preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or you receive a different spirit, which you have not received, or a different gospel, which you have not accepted, you bear this beautifully. For such men are false prophets, deceitful workers, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. No wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Therefore, it's not surprising if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness, whose end will be according to their deeds. Whew. In order for us to avoid being deceived or led astray, we must read the Word of God, study the Bible, be a student of the Bible. Make it your practice to read through the Bible every year. That's why we have a daily reading program, by the way. And in this church, we read through the Bible each year so that we can be fed on that Word of God. You need to learn how to spend time taking what you read and meditating over what you read. Ask the Holy Spirit through prayer to illuminate those things you need to understand better. Pray to God to make his word an anchor for your soul. So number one, we need to be students. We need to make the word of God first place in our lives. Secondly, we need to make it our habit or our custom. The Bible talks about Jesus. It says, as was his custom, he would go to synagogue or he would go to temple. Every Sabbath, 
he was in the temple, or every Sabbath he was in the synagogue, as was his custom. You need to make it your habit or your custom to attend our weekly Sunday service, preferably in person with other believers. But if you cannot make it in person, like during this COVID lockdown, then make it your habit to attend online. Hebrews chapter 10 exhorts us in verses 24 and 25. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and even more as you see the day approaching. You see, the purpose behind getting into the habit of regular church attendance, meeting with the family of God on a regular basis, is so that you can know and be known. You know, I'm amazed at how many people live as islands. They just live their lives without any, uh, anybody else really speaking into their lives or bumping them or rubbing them or challenging them. They just, hey, they just kind of mumble along and bumble along and they think, well, hey, and, and, and they become the source of all their information, the source of all their knowledge, the source of everything. It's just themselves. God wants you to know and be known. It's so that you can come alongside other believers who can help you sharpen your spiritual skills and you can be equipped to help others as well. You see, the Bible declares that we're living in dangerous and perilous times. The church provides a place of sanctuary. It's a rest stop from the outside world. It's the place where you can find security. It's the place where you can find peace. The church becomes an anchor in our lives. It becomes a compass. Uh, it becomes a plumb line. It's a place for us to return and recalibrate, to refocus our attention on what's really important in life. Jesus, God's Word, and His Spirit. Regular Sunday morning attendance also brings you into contact with relevant and solid biblical truths. Our commitment as a church is not only to provide you with useful information that you can use in your daily walk with Christ, but to accurately and faithfully preach and examine the books of the Bible, showing you how to make practical application of God's Word in your lives. As a church, we have also developed and regularly teach series that explain, instruct, and impart practical Bible truths in order to help you to go deeper in the Word of God. These courses are conducted both online and now that the shutdown has been lifted, we will resume these courses in person. Each of these courses are designed for your personal life. The effect will be freedom from habits, freedom from iniquities, bondages, and curses, you can get that through our Walking Free teaching series. We'll help you build your life on a firm foundation through our foundation series. That's a five-part series that takes you from the very basics right up to how to be a leader in the church. Those are absolutely dynamic, and they're very helpful for your growth as a believer, founding you and grounding you on that rock that cannot be shaken. If you've struggled through a divorce, we have a course called Divorce Care. And if you're grieving because of the death of a loved one, we have another course called Grief Share. Along with these teachings 
and these teaching series are several ministries that we have in the church to meet various needs at different stages of our lives. For example, we have something called Bump to Baby for expectant mothers. We have children's ministry for babies to teen. Then for those that are in their teens, we have youth. That's from your teens to your early 20s. Cross-culture for college age and young singles. Singles ministry for those who are anywhere from 30 to 99 and find themselves in some kind of a single condition. We have counseling for every form of addiction all the way to marriage problems. And then on top of that, we have a marriage ministry. And it's dedicated to making strong marriages better and weak marriages strong. Our Victory Business Forum is to help our business people achieve kingdom-oriented goals for their lives and their businesses. We have dedicated business leaders that are willing to help each other learn to do business God's way. Then on top of that, we have Be That Man and Majoring in Men. These are two interactive coaching and training courses for men, helping them to learn to be Christ-like in their lives, in their marriages, in their families, their businesses, and even in their communities. Roots is the counterpart for women, instructing women how to be planted and how to grow and how to model their lives, their marriages, their families, their careers, and community involvement after biblical principles. The importance of keeping you from falling away into false teaching is paramount in the minds of our leaders here at Celebration Ministries. As a sidebar, let me give you some simple things that you can do when you come to church on Sunday or you listen to our service online. First of all, pray. Pray that God will open your heart and open your mind to receive the Word of God that's being taught. You see, if you go in with the wrong attitude, if you go in critically, if you go in with the, 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 the wrong expectation, if you're not open to the Spirit of God, if you're not praying, you may not hear. Pray for the people that are leading the service. You know, it's one thing to come to service. It's another thing to lead the service. We want to be led of the Spirit. Pray that they are. Pray for the worship team. And then pray for me. Pray for me or the pastor of the day that's bringing the Word as we prepare as we deliver the Word of God. You know, it's not enough for me to just preach something. I, I don't want to just, oh, I have some knowledge or some information. I'm just preaching. I want to be able to speak to where you live. Only with God's help can I do that. Here's another thing you can do. You can take notes during the sermon. You should always have a notebook. And, and, and whether you're in church or in prayer, or reading your Bible alone, or when you're with your pastor. You never know when God is going to speak to your heart. Write that down. Write down the key things which speak to you. Write down the scripture references. And then write down your thoughts that you're thinking at that time. Take that information, and during the week, look at it, and make sure that what you've heard is actually biblically accurate. If you have any questions, well, then get back to one of our pastors or one of your cell leaders and make sure that you understand what you're being taught. With modern technology, you can send an email with your questions to the church and we'll be happy to get back to you. Or you can use the phone number on the screen or call the church or set an appointment to sit down and speak to someone. We've developed what I believe is the most important part of the church to help you also get through 
it's our cell groups. You know, it's in a cell group that you will also have time to seek and gain understanding and clarification. And that leads me to the third point, which is that. It's make sure that you do get involved in a cell group. The Bible says in Proverbs, I think it's the 27th Proverb, the 17th verse, it says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. You see, some of you may have questions during the Sunday morning message. Through our weekly cell group gatherings, you can voice your questions. The leader and the group members will share their thoughts, and together you can sharpen each other with more knowledge. You see, the goal of Celebration Ministries is to have everyone participating in a cell group gathering. Now, we have several options for meetings, and are, we're looking to expand to more homes as we continue to grow. Our idea is that we get 10 to 12 people together bonding, bonding in your relationships with one another and in relationship to Jesus Christ. Each week, the cell groups gather to discuss a series of questions based on our Sunday message. And then we go deeper into the scriptures and we draw out the focus of what is being said and answer questions. And then on top of that, the cell groups spend time in prayer for the needs of each, uh, of each group at the meeting. And in other words, if you come there and you have a prayer need, you'll have somebody to pray with. Now, some of our cell groups are quite sophisticated. They even rotate in bringing food or snacks to be shared before or during the study. If you're not currently involved in a cell group, then you need to check out where the nearest group is for you. You can do that by contacting the church or going back to the foyer today and there'll be somebody there that'll meet you. They'll tell you the day and the location that they meet so that you can become a treasure to others as you study together. Paul warned us and he warned of people turning to false prophets. He warned this over 2,000 years ago. The same warning needs to be sounded again today. There's a growing trend today towards several modern errors. One of those is what's called the Unitarian or Universalist belief system that's begun to creep into our church world. And this is basically an error that says that it really doesn't matter how you live. We'll all ultimately be saved. Some go so far as to say that even the devil will be saved. That God is so much love that he really just put us on the earth and that all this hardship and stuff has nothing to do with testing. It just has to do with a loving God and he'll, he'll love you and he'll love you in spite of whatever you do. Uh, these are not true statements, by the way. There are even well-known pastors and leaders using the name of Christ who are attempting to discredit the belief in the resurrection of Jesus as being an actual event. Now we've even seen false prophets proposing and posturing themselves to be authentic followers of Christ. They give themselves big titles, but they've introduced divination and even ancestral worship as mainstream parts of their teaching, which are totally contrary to the Word of God. We also have this idea of a kind of a new age element that's begun to work its way into the churches. And they're twisting the scriptures, introducing Eastern asceticism under the guise of kind of a self-help gospel that you can somehow by yourself, by speaking positively only, become anything you want to be. There are fascinations with things like yoga, and chanting mantras, and meditation practice that empty the mind, along with 
extra biblical and out of body or supernatural experiences that are part of this infiltration. These false doctrines are designed to tear at the foundations of Scripture so that they can elevate their sinful teachings to the same level as the Word of God. And in so doing, they deceive others into following their erroneous ways. The Bible spoke of how these days would come and that people would follow wagging tongues of deception. What do Unitarians and Universalists and Eastern practitioners and false prophets believe? Well, to tell you the truth, they believe just about anything. In theory, they have no doctrine whatsoever. They have no requirement of belief. They have no foundation that they command of people. Jesus told us to command men everywhere to repent and to receive Jesus, to repent of your sin and receive Christ. We're commanded to do that. Most believe neither in heaven nor hell. I'm deeply concerned about the coming generation of young people. They have the greatest chance to have a real encounter with the living God. But they are also in danger of the greatest deception. This generation is self-absorbed. And because of the age they are living in, they have become the sole definers of everything they believe. I'm shocked when you talk to many in this generation. They define everything by themselves. Whatever they think to be true is true. Most do not believe in absolutes. They do not believe in common truths. They don't hold any truth to be common with anybody else. It's truth as they see it. They don't believe there's an absolute truth. They don't believe that there's a God. They, they tend to define their life by their own experiences and what they see and what they believe through the social media that they watch incessantly. In the Western world today, we have polls that have been given on many occasions. And these polls say that less than 50% of the population now believe that God is a supernatural being who reveals himself through human, human history. Under one-fourth of the population believe that God is real, but not adequately described. In other words, what they're saying is that, yeah, they, they, that God is real, but we just don't even know who he is. We, we, he didn't describe himself. We don't know who he is. 44.2% think God is just the natural process in the universe. Now God is, a tr is, is, is he's in the trees. He, I see God in, in nature. I see God in the sunset. No, we see God's creation, but he is, his creation is not God. God created all things, but God is not in all things. Big difference. And he's not just the natural processes in the universe. He is almighty God. The debate about Christ also seems to be dying out. 59% no longer consider themselves Christians. And a majority in the West, this is in the West, believe or know next to nothing about Christ. See, this is a reflection of the church. And the church has, in many ways, neglected to teach the truth about Jesus Christ. We've given people therapy. 
We've given people a theology that says you can help yourself, but we've not told people about their need to hide themselves in Christ, to be born again, who God is and what he commands and what he demands. We do not have to fall to this worldview. We can understand the days in which we live and how we can be overcomers as believers in Jesus Christ. To do this, we're going to have to make an active commitment to being people of the word, of being in church each week and involving ourselves in our faith community through cell group discussions so that we can ground ourselves in our faith, in our faith community. We do that through our cell group discussions so that we don't fall prey to the work of the devil as he works through others to bring deception in our families, in our minds, in our land. And the choice is for you and me to make. We can choose how we will live. Today, I want to encourage you. If you're listening to this message and you realize that these entanglements have begun to come into your life or that you've not really been diligent in the word or you've not really been diligent in fellowship, you've not really been diligent in a cell group. Let me tell you, we need each other today more than we've ever needed each other. We need the word more than we've ever needed the word. There are absolutes and God is absolutely certain to uphold his word. He is faithful. He is true. Nothing else is. Nothing else can be relied upon but him. We either build our foundation on the Word of God or we build our foundation on the shifting sands of everything else. But there's a storm and it's upon us. And that storm will bring about either calamity or we will stand. And having done all the stand, we'll stand. If you've listened to this message and you're feeling convicted or you're feeling like God's dealing with your heart, those of you that are uh, listening by the uh, social media, whatever way you're listening. There's a phone number right there on the screen. You can talk to somebody. You can pray. You can tell somebody about the decision you need to make. You can find help and you can find your way back into a cell group, into a place of meeting. You can find yourself back to church. Some of you have stopped going to church. You've not, you've been deceived. You think you can do this on your own. You can just read your Bible. That's not true. God designed the church and he designed fellowship. He designed us to, we, we are social beings and he's designed us to rub each other, to communicate to each other, to learn from one another. Knowledge you can get anywhere, but wisdom comes from people that have lived this life and lived it. And, and, and we learn when we, when we get together with them and live it together. Pick up the phone, call somebody on the other end of that line. Call a pastor, make an appointment, come and see somebody. Whatever you do, get back into fellowship today in Jesus' name. We love you. God bless you. Make sure you come to Synod. Make sure you're online with Synod. Those are going to be great messages. And uh, in the meantime, may God's grace be mighty upon your lives this week and in the days to come. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that you were blessed and that God will continue to transform your life in this season. If you have a testimony or need prayer and counseling, please send a WhatsApp or a call me to plus 
3900 or plus 263-717-459999. We want to hear from you and we're here for you and are ready to listen to you, to pray for you and to celebrate with you. So thank you. We love you and stay safe.